Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Martin Luther King Jr., Surprise Sister, and Texas's Most Wanted. your co-host crystal and i am your other co-host robert this is reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast mysteries podcast i don't is i don't usually a podcast i don't usually flub up the intro like that usually it's the closeout that i have the most trouble with yeah we could start a we could try it again if you want yeah uh yeah no no that's fine well I wasn't actually that pause wasn't me contemplating that. It was just the the little display that shows uh, when I talk and the you have the lines go up and down. Like it it mm-hmm. it almost looked like it was frozen for a second. It's like oh god no, but I, I think it was just uh, it's fine. It's all fine. We're recording. Okay. Do you want to do you want to start over though? <laughs> you want to start the intro over? No, I. Personally, think that our <laughs> listeners like it when I screw things up, right? Um, sure, yeah, okay. So <laughs> this is a reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're uh, this this episode. What is this? Season five, episode twelve, I think. Um, is uh, in my opinion a real landmark episode well this is the one you've been waiting for the big one it's the one i it's the big one but i also think it's a lot it's one a lot of other people have been waiting for too yeah um so but we're gonna talk about that in a second uh and then we're gonna so we usually how this goes is we ramble on about something completely unrelated unsolved mysteries for like four to seven minutes before we actually talk about the episode yes a (laughs) warning to anyone who's just listening to us for the first time now (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the thing that I'm going to ramble on about uh, for four to seven minutes at this point is I this last Friday. So we're recording on a Sunday. This last Friday, I gave notice at my job that I've had for four years. So basically the entire the entire time we've been recording this podcast and producing it, I have had the same job. And I just gave notice. So I'm really like opening like a new chapter of my life and closing, closing another one. So uh, that's what's going on with me. Wow. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, this I think it was time I've wanted to leave for a really long time. I, I know that I've never even really discussed uh, my full time job ever. Yeah. On this podcast. <laughs> like I've never talked about like my real life. Uh, situation so yeah I've I've had a job with a sort of um, <clears throat> let's call it a governmental agency in LA rather large prominent one in Los Angeles and I am going to be leaving and no I don't have another job lined up I'm just gonna take take a break all right go to the beach gonna do some yoga for a while i think try and get in like insanely good shape because i'm also getting married next year and i would like to fit into my dress <laughs> so yeah let me tell you like ever since you've informed me of that my mind has just been mm-hmm. like consumed with the idea that i need to hit the gym 
uh, so that I can fit into like a nicer looking suit. That... <laughs> um, you know, I mean, do whatever you want to do. I'm not mandating the people in my wedding party look any kind of way. Uh, yeah, no, except... no. But for my own personal, <laughs> like, I, I'll feel less self-conscious if I look quasi in shape. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I feel, too. Like, it, it, like, I don't think it's realist. I mean, I think both of us probably would be more satisfied with ourselves if we if we lost some weight so i include myself in that as well but it's also you know it's not really about the number on the scale it's about how i feel about myself mm -hmm. and uh today dave and i you know this is we haven't done this since before covid we would occasionally before covid go to this climbing gym and um it's where you know we learned how to do the belays on the ropes with the harnesses and stuff do you know what i'm talking about like... I oh I perfectly uh, like I know exactly the sort of like place you're describing it's just I was a little thrown off mm -hmm. because I thought you were gonna say like we occasionally just go to Wendy's <laughs> sometimes we do go to Wendy's yeah. and sometimes Wendy's is immediately after the climbing gym but not today okay um yeah so <laughs> uh yeah so we went to the climbing gym and but neither of us have uh been you know this entire time or any other gym i mean i've been doing yoga at home and then you know we've been doing some hiking and stuff and uh so this was the first time like going going back to the gym and just both of us are just like so weak and out of shape and it's very sad yeah and so yeah i was like oh man you know it's something i really enjoy doing but when you get you have to ease back in and when you're at such a low fitness level i mean that's an incredibly intense workout and um, I just really wasn't able to do the amount that I wanted to do. And so I think, you know, I really want to focus on just being stronger and feeling better and not necessarily like the weight loss aspect of it. But yeah, that's going to be part of what I'm doing with my time off, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Um, just, just getting in better shape, you know. And the other thing is, too, you know, I've had this kind of... Um, for whatever reason, it's been a very stressful office job and, and maybe in some aspects more so since we started working remotely. And, uh, I just haven't had a lot of like emotional or psychic energy to put towards taking care of myself, I feel like. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, it's just been, it's been survive. It's just been work and survive for the last year and a half. And fortunately, I'm in a place where I can kind of just take a break. I mean, it doesn't mean I won't be looking for another job, but it just needed a needed a timeout. <laughs> and to you know, my health is definitely suffering for it. I've been having all kinds of miscellaneous digestive issues, and you know, I just uh, I'm not well. So I think for all those reasons, it's time to to move on and, and that also mean hopefully we can i can put a little more creative energy to this thing that we make here because I, I feel like this has just been puttering puttering along <laughs> at a comfortable <laughs> speed but maybe you know it's time to to pour some more energy into like making this the best that it can be because you know it's fine right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think i think if you aggregated all of our uh, all of the reviews uh, of our podcast online uh, the, the, the average mm -hmm. would come out to it. It's fine. That, that, that's, that's, yeah. 
I think we're I think we're at a, like 4.2 on iTunes right now. So we're what is that like a B plus? Yeah, that's like well 4.2 if you're let's see carry the one. So that's like a that's like an 84%, right? Yeah. So if the, so if the highest you can get is 5 stars, right? And then if you convert that into some kind of percentage that'd be 100%, right? Okay. Okay. So 4.2 would be like yeah, that would be an 84%. So that's not even B plus, it's like a B. So maybe we can like raise the GPA a little bit uh, on the reenact. Just like my junior year of high school. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely in our junior year of this podcast. So that raising the average will start the next time we record. This does not count towards that. Okay. Uh. Um. Hey, Robbie, do you want to speak on the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King? Because it's, it's in this episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Right, yes. Um, what was interesting is this episode started out with, uh, you know, they started talking, they just started right out talking about it. And then you had uh, the stack intro come in after like a few moments. And I feel like stack, uh, stack describes this as like a, was it a special special presentation or something along those lines? And I feel, I feel like, I feel like that's sort of a running thing with this program is when they deal with Mm -hmm. questioning the official narrative of a political assassination Mm -hmm. that they, Mm -hmm. they kind of, they kind of make, make it out to be like, this is a very unique sort of episode. I I feel like that was the case Mm -hmm. when we had the episode that dealt with the, uh, assassination of robert robert kennedy and then yeah also the i think kind of the you know the at the very least the episode that dealt with the assassination of huey long i mean mm-hmm. at the very least that segment was about 60 percent of the episode so they mm-hmm. they really get focused on this well i remember i remember robert stack saying later after he's after we're well into the segment that this episode aired near on the th- the 30th anniversary of Martin Luther King's death. Was it the 30th anniversary? Or- mm-hmm. Because he was killed in 1968, right? Or, sorry, the 20... It would have been the 25th anniversary. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I feel... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I, I believe that... I, I, I do believe that is the case. Um, which is sort of... When you really stop and think about it, that means that, you know, more or less, this episode was only about as far removed from that assassination as we are now from, like, September 11th. Just basically, like, two decades, you know? Mm-hmm. It- can, I, can I interject something here? Yeah. Very quickly? Um, not to make this all about me getting married or whatever, but <laughs> there was a venue... <laughs> hold on i'll come back to 9 11 there is a there was a venue that dave and i were looking at and it's quite popular but we both liked it and it had their availability calendar um you know and so the availability windows was like there's some you know saturdays in in january of next year and then nothing again until june but if we'd wanted to get married this year i'll tell you what (laughs) saturday september 11th was wide open god um, and we had to have a very not unserious <laughs> conversation about like, 
do you want to get married on 9-11? <laughs> the 20th anniversary of 9-11? And I was like, you know what? Honestly, I would do it. Uh, but I don't think I'll be able to get a dress that soon because <laughs> it's July. <laughs> so just just keep that in mind. Okay. Saturday, September 11th, probably wide open if you're looking to get married. That actually, okay, yeah, I, I guess that does strike me as that's probably pretty probably pretty consistent with that now like all wedding venues and and you mm-hmm. know things of similar sort of reservation mm-hmm. status like yeah. i can't even think of what the 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 more like um i can't even think of what what the competing prior date tr- problematic date would be before that uh maybe like friday the 13th Maybe people don't want to get married. Maybe like the bombing of Pearl Harbor. December 7th. Whatever day that is in December. Yeah, December 7th probably was Yeah. Um, gauche for a while. Yeah, that was, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that would have been the, the problematic day for for many decades afterwards. Yeah. Um, now, now, would it be, would, would it be like the reverse? Like, you know, not problematic, but mm-hmm. whatever the inversion of that is. If say you wanted to get married on like the anniversary of D Day, <laughs> June six, and then like at the wedding ceremony, you play like Eisenhower's speech <laughs> to the troops. Yeah, I mean that would be unusual, but I'm sure plenty of people. I know plenty of people have been married on June six. It's probably a huge day. Yeah, for weddings. Yeah. So, June's, um, uh, June's a good yeah, month. I, I just, Robbie, what would, I mean, <laughs> how bad do you think it would have been if we could have managed to pull a wedding together by then? How bad do you think, or much of a problem it would have actually have been to get married on the 20th anniversary of 9-11? <laughs> That'd be our anniversary <laughs> as well. Because to me, it was kind of like, let's take back the date. You know what I mean? Like, let's take this back and the power. Let's not let the terrorists win, right? I mean, September's yeah, that's a, what I'm saying. September's a nice month to get married. It's not like as hot as the, it's a great month to get married. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know, it's like you're 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 you know you're gonna take a horrible horrible day and you're gonna make something nice happen on it. Okay, well. Um, but segueing back into the current segment, we're now aiming. To get married on MLK Day weekend, that's the goal. Oh, we don't have a venue yet. But oh, like, so ten- that's the goal. So tentatively, so it's going to be um, January of wait. When you say because it's, it's going to be next year, yes, uh-huh. yeah. So you, yes. so that twenty twenty two, yeah. So that that's January of twenty twenty two. That is yes. Okay. Okay. Oh wow! Now I'm really. Fr- so I'm just trying to like segue, oh, with with a wedding segue back into what we're talking, about, <laughs> which is Martin Luther King. Mar- yes. Um, yeah. This this segment basically it's a because the sort of official narrative on the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. is uh, James Earl Ray was the assassin. Um, I don't want to get bogged down to the details. I think I think we're basically all familiar with the the, the basic outline. He was King was in mm-hmm. uh, Memphis. I just real quick, I just want to say James Earl Ray is some of my favorite tea to have for breakfast. 
um, I, I'm assuming, you, you, like, the tea you have is Earl Grey, not James Earl Grey. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's James Earl Ray tea, right? If if you have if you <laughs> if you have tea, a box of tea in your house that says says James Earl Ray. Uh-huh. Please take a picture yeah. of it, because I would be, I like if I saw a picture of that, I would be gobsmacked uh, beyond well, belief. Well, um, isn't that what Picard ordered on Star Trek all the time? He's like James Earl Ray, hot <laughs> computer. I, I have to be honest with you, Crystal. I am currently, right now, I am in a state of profound uncertainty whether this is part of some like really. <laughs> deep tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. joke on your part uh-huh. or whether you're just not yes on a, okay okay then. <laughs> Ooh, i broke his brain i was just like i was just like what what if what if i'm like a person who like doesn't know what earl gray tea is and i honestly think it's called james earl Ray, gray yeah tea. <laughs> you you yeah kudos to you 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 your presentation was so yeah. unflappable. It's a, stu- it's a very stupid bit, and we should probably move on. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the basic outline for people who aren't familiar is that in April of 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was in Memphis uh, with plans to help with the organizing of a strike by sanitation workers. And he was leaving his uh, motel room and he was shot from across the street by an individual named James Earl Ray, who subsequently mm-hmm. like fled the area. He dumped his uh, bag with his gun and stuff in it in front of uh, a store. And I was uh, I was unfamiliar. I guess I didn't realize he was only caught like a few months later at Heathrow Airport, planning mm-hmm. on going somewhere even more international to escape the reach of the law. Yeah, let's put a pin in that because um, there's more on that later when we get to the end. Okay. Yes. So basically with this segment, they're presenting the idea that maybe he was not acting on his own, but was uh, because as as he he initially confessed when they caught him, but later he recanted that and said that that presented the idea that basically he was a patsy. Uh, of mm. this conspiracy that uh, he got roped into um, sort of months beforehand, some individual named, was it Raul? It was Raul. Yeah. yeah. Uh, got him involved with numerous little, like, strange little smuggling schemes. Mm. Like, he was smuggling $700 of I don't know what from Canada into the U.S. and then he had to drive mm-hmm. a car down to the Mexican border, and they did a little bit of small-scale smuggling with that. I guess the the idea with this is that like this is this is all sort of just busy work to like get him and you know to lure him into whoever this shadowy shadowy you know puppet master is to then get him to Atlanta. And be like, hey, there's this guy I who wants to buy 
200 guns from me, from me. So I need you to go down to the gun store and buy like this particular rifle. Um, so that I can show, show the potential buyer. And I guess they, they kind of, in the segment, they, they present the idea that James Earl Ray was not a very intelligent man that like his background before then was mm-hmm. like his criminal background was just sort of like petty sort of like robberies and stuff. Nothing, you know, mm-hmm. serious or, or, or crying in serious intelligence. And I, I think, yeah. I think they sort of, they sort of, uh, uh, I, I, I feel like they try to convey this idea in the reenactment because they have the guy playing James Earl Ray be like, I don't think I could buy 200 guns at one time. <laughs> and Raul's like, you don't need to buy 200 guns. You just need to buy one that I can show the people. And then the James Earl Ray, they show him going to a gun store and sort of like, I get, they also said that he was really unfamiliar with firearms, so he sort of had difficulty. Mm-hmm. Well, he had been in the army. Oh, right, right, yeah. So, oh, not totally unfamiliar. Yes, but like the and they mentioned that in the segment as well. But well, that's strange because that seems to like sort of undermine the site because they show him going into <laughs> the gun store and he's just basically like. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally out of his element. Like the, the clerk's basically like, "What, what you want?" And the guy's like, "Uh, I want this gun. It's like a gun. It's like a, it's it's a long gun. You know, it's a rifle, and it's a, 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 I don't know what it's called. And you know, like he ends up buying the wrong gun, and Raul has to send him back to rebuy a different type of gun. Um, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah, I guess this, like, the premise of the alternative explanation for what happened in this assassination, I guess, is just that, like, this is all just so that James Earl Ray will have the specific type of gun that whoever the conspiracy is that's going to assassinate Martin Luther King Jr. is going to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean... Yeah, we, we basically just like our the the segment just sort of it presents you know the you know this competing uh, presentation. Um, I like how when he checks when they have a reenactment of him checking into the boarding house that's across the street from where mm-hmm. Martin Luther King's motel is. I like how the whoever it was who's showing him to his room was uh, made an important point to went out of their way to point out that like it's money up front <laughs> sort of mm-hmm. situation. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. They show if from the point of view of the motel balcony. And there's like a picture of like a, like a grassy embankment with some bushes. And then there's like the back of this boarding house. It looks uninhabitable. Right. It looks really bad. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there happens, there's a lot of other conjecture that um, uh, James Earl Ray's law, f- former lawyers, current lawyer, and then some other folks are saying um, having to do with, you know, an unreliable eyewitness that put places James Earl Ray at the boarding house in the bathroom where the shot came from. Yeah. Um, there's some questions about the ballistics of the gun. 
there's some questions about where the gun and uh, the bag allegedly that James Earl Ray ran out of the building with um, and placed really conspicuously in front of this other store nearby. Um, there's a question about was James Earl Ray even at the boarding house at the time that the shooting happened? Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, there's an eyewitness that says that he was, but the, you know, like I said, there were some questions about the reliability of the eyewitness. Um, there's also, uh, some conjecture from the folks who, uh, I think it was Martin Luther King's driver that said they thought the shot came from the grassy embankment, not the boarding house, but who can say, right? So, um, you know, the FBI did. I don't know. I wasn't there. But there was a congressional hearing just like there was for 9-11 and everything else about right. this assassination. And there's a for, the former chair of that committee is, you know, raising some questions as to, like, there's a lot of questions that the FBI didn't give satisfactory answers to and certain investigations that weren't done. And I, I totally agree with all that. There are some things the FBI could have done to make this a, you know, shut and closed case. Right. Um. You know, but James Earl Ray ended up pleading guilty anyway and went to prison. And so I think a lot of this is happening because he's trying to recant the story. Now, the other the other element of that is, well, why did he plead guilty? I mean, okay. oh, first of all, (laughs) first of all, please read anything about how the criminal justice system works, that it is easier to plead guilty. And a lot of people who aren't guilty of the crimes they're being accused of are often convinced to plead out so a they don't aren't perceived as snitching on someone else who might be guilty or you know on myriad other reasons they get strong-armed by a cheap attorney whatever you know the da just wants just wants a conviction a lot of reasons somebody might plead guilty for to something that they didn't do but in this case um the reason that james earl ray said that he had pled guilty because his lawyer at the time had allegedly wanted to write a book and, and wanted exclusive rights to that information. So anything that James Earl Ray, if you know, he'd, he'd entered a not guilty plea and then was, you know, forced to testify, um, all of that would have gone on the public record. Therefore, the lawyer would not have the uh, exclusive rights to that story, which doesn't really add up. Mm, yeah. <laughs> at all. That, that doesn't really make any sense. Um, so Robbie, after, you know, after Unsolved Mysteries raised these questions, like, what do you, what do you think? Well, yeah, I was, I was thinking about, you know, trying to figure all this out during the, uh, watching the segment and then afterwards trying to like, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be shocking to me that like a group of people wanted to assassinate Martin Luther King Jr. and. You know, if you want to do that, you'd probably want some someone to take the fall, right? Um, but sure, yeah, I'm, I think there was probably uh, no shortage of folks that would would have liked to have rid, been rid of uh, Martin Luther King, Jr. right? Up, but the, but up to and including the FBI, itself. yeah. But then the thing is, is that same argument can cut the other way for like James Earl Ray being the because I, if I recall correctly, at some point someone was like, "Well, what was his motivation?" right for for doing this and i was like yes yeah and that was not made clear at all in this right well yeah because it wasn't it wasn't like james earl ray was some like anti-labor union guy 
And at least since, according to what we have in the segment, he didn't leave some racist manifesto. And he was just some dumb, petty criminal that was, you know. But, I mean, the thing is, is I feel like, though, that... Like, the number of people in 1968, just everyday people on the street, who would have liked to see Martin mm-hmm. Luther King Jr. assassinated was probably pretty substantial, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in that region of the country. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when they, were, when they were showing all the various witnesses and just, like, passers-by and reenactments and stuff, the sort of thought that was going through mm-hmm. my head was, like, like, what percentage of them, like, if they had thought that James Earl Ray had done it, would have actually been, you know, like, favorable to to the action it's not mm-hmm. zero i'm freaking positive of that mm-hmm. so i mean if you yeah. have just like a poll of like people who who just like hate martin luther king jr like a large pool of individuals it's entire like i could i could totally believe that you know it like you know what there'd be like countless people who would just like just you know, be so enraged that they just want to like, you know, like you know, and they lash out in in uh, in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he didn't leave a manifesto, <laughs> but like, how you know, think mm-hmm. about like how many people you know just engage in like some racist like attack on someone, and they don't have like some you know Unabomber style like, pay you know, pamphlet. Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's not like we can go through James Earl Ray's, like, Facebook history. Right, right. To see what he was posting or, like, what he was putting on Reddit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know. Um, But there are, I don't know, I would say a lot of key pieces of information that Unsolved Mysteries kind of left oh, out. Oh, yeah, totally. About James Earl Ray in this segment. And so um, I was t- I was watching this episode with mm-hmm. David, uh, my fiancé, Noel. And uh, he was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm gonna look this guy up. And I was like, okay, you do that. So here's some other facts. Okay. Because I was like, you know, maybe James Earl Ray was working with, I believe that James Earl Ray is the one who killed Martin Luther King Jr. No question. What did he do it on his right. own? Oh, yeah. Know. Was he paid to do it? I also don't know that. I don't know that because there are probably so many, there were probably so many forces wanting to be rid of ML. Yeah, okay yeah you know um so but here's some things <laughs> that we discovered when we did the r word that's right research on okay. James Earl Ray. and this is just probably from wikipedia this is honestly just from wikipedia okay so the first thing is when james earl ray was um he he had a, well this was in the unsolved mystery segment he had escaped from prison and was on the run uh, he was serving a 20-year term, I don't remember in which state, for armed robbery, and he managed to break out. And at that point, he went to Montreal in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, assumed a different name, and apparently that's where he met Raoul, Yeah. right? And there's even a little graphic map that we get of his sort of errands and whereabouts um, while working for Raul, which when I start to describe this is, isn't going to hold up whatsoever. Okay. So he goes from, he does a couple of things, but one of the things he does, he goes to Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. And that was mentioned in the, 
uh, Unsolved Mysteries segment. What they did not mention is what James Earl Ray was doing in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. <laughs> and he was um, filming and directing pornographic oh, movies. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he was there doing that for a while. And then he decided to kick up to L.A., um, and at that point in Los Angeles, he had a rhinoplasty and some other uh, reconstruct. Um, he had his face done, basically, so he did not look like what he used yeah. to look like. Because remember, he's still on the run. He is an escaped right. fugitive. Um, and uh, maybe an acclaimed porn director <laughs> at this point. I don't know. Uh, so <laughs> he comes to L.A. and he spends um, an actu- actually a year in Los Angeles. He's here for a year. So in Unsolved Mysteries, they make it look like he was kind of just around for a few weeks in each place. But he was actually out here for yeah. a year. And while he was working, while he was out here in L.A., he volunteered um, to work for the uh, George Wallace. Yes. Company. Yeah. Okay kind of think this is important and relevant information to establish right. a motive. <laughs> there's, there's um I'd all say, right yeah i'd say yeah for <laughs> sure that that would be um that would that would give you a pretty big insight to what his uh his thoughts were concerning martin luther king jr yes <laughs> now robbie please correct me if i'm wrong but george wallace was um in 19 whenever 1967 i guess at this point he was running for president yeah correct and um he famously said um what was it segregation now segregation Mm -hmm. forever yeah though i don't know if that was in conjunction with this presidential campaign i that may have been like um related that may have been like as as during his time as governor of alabama um you know, as and that uh, making himself out as, as the force against like integration, I think like in the sixty mm-hmm. in his sixty eight campaign, um, you know mm-hmm. they like engaged in a, a a little bit more like subtle um uh play as to you know like so 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 that like. So that people who are voting for him could be like, oh, I'm not voting for segregation. He's just, you know, he just wants to stop mm-hmm. a few troublemakers, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest <laughs> troublemakers. <was laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Time. So, um, so there's that. Okay. Unsolved Mysteries just kind of like doesn't mention that, <laughs> which I think is actually pretty important yeah. detail. Uh, and then... When uh, James Earl Ray fled to London, where he was picked up, uh, Unsolved Mysteries mentions that he was trying to escape to Brussels. Uh-huh. But that is only part of the uh, okay. story. His final destination, his final, his James Earl Ray's stated final destination on that trip through Europe was actually going to be in Rhodesia in Africa. <laughs> now, Robbie, okay, I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know until today. I know Rhodesia was like an area in Africa, but like specific to the 1960s, do you know what Rhodesia kind of was about? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Africa? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell the listeners well, what I that mean, was about? Yeah, well, it was basic. I mean, it was it was a um, it was a, a, a racist uh, state. I mean, that was 
you know, akin to your 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 apartheid area, your apartheid era mm-hmm. South Africa. Um, yeah, where it was a, a yeah, it was my, a, the white nor- nationalist state of Zimbabwe. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, well, well, gosh, I mean. With those, with, with a couple of those bits of information, I feel like that would totally change the narrative. Because, because they try to like play. I feel like Unsolved Mysteries tries to present him as this like guy who's like maybe just sort of a like an apolitical criminal, mm-hmm. you know, petty thug. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's absolutely how they did. Yeah. 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 And, and so it's like, well, yeah, this, you know, this guy was like, he just thought he was being involved with some like minor crimes, you know, some, some mm-hmm. illegal arms sales, some smuggling. Uh, and, you know, they just like, they set it up. So, so it looked like he, you know, he, uh, they're just trying to make him a, a, a patsy, but yeah, like either, I feel like with uh, like this, <laughs> this Rhodesia George Wallace <laughs> information, um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, and it, it's not necessarily that it, it it it's not necessarily that it's going to to enhance like whether he acted alone or on behalf of someone, but I feel like. Mm-hmm. It's it's a motive for either you know him acting alone out of you know whatever racist sentiments or him acting on behalf of a group of people you know uh, b- based off racist sentiments. So mm-hmm. yeah, all right. And yeah, so, I mean, who's yeah. to say he wasn't headed to Rhodesia to continue to be like some kind of mercenary racist for hire there? Right. Oh yeah, totally. Apartheid. So yeah, you know. There's, I assume, a market for that sort of thing, especially if you successfully murdered Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, oh, anyway, let's all say fuck that. Fuck that guy. There <laughs> is, you know, ass. there is. But also, like, what the hell Unsolved Mysteries? Like, if I didn't know any better, I would think it was like they did this sort of fluff segment uh, <laughs> omitting what I would say are very important details because someone had a book to sell. But right. there was no book for sale here. So. Yeah, I was Crystal. I was literally thinking the exact same thing. Like, yeah. you know, like this would be something where you know, I'm I'm shocked that there isn't someone with some book for sale who's showing up. Like, well, why why was it this person of all people who who decided to assassinate Martin Luther King Jr.? It just doesn't make sense. Uh, buy my yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it makes a little little bit of sense if you have some important context i think there yeah so yeah um <laughs> should we move on to uh right another real rat bastard in a segment <laughs> a lot of them a lot of them in this episode a rat bastard crystal you're gonna talk about someone who wanted to go and fight the nazis as a rat bastard <laughs> well um, i get. i guess yeah i am yeah yeah <laughs> This is a lost love segment. Um, Yeah. It starts out with actually with like a couple of siblings. They want, they're doing family research and they're doing it. It actually starts out with the granddaughter, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Right. Because we don't actually get to the siblings. Kind of Laura Anderson's the granddaughter and she's the one that's kind of giving us the narrative here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure what the point of that was, but. 
Um, I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> but like a, a couple of siblings doing research on their family uh, and they're doing it not on a computer. If you're a, a zoomer or younger, mm-hmm. uh, they're doing it. it wasn't on... no ancestry.com in 1992, 93. Maybe there was. Yeah. I, f- I feel like ancestry.com was pretty early in the dot com game, but yeah, I, yeah, it would not. It, it wouldn't be shocking if it was even if it was like a, even a 1990s thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel watching this. I recently I've gotten into this thing where I like to watch videos of people reacting to watching movies for the first time, and okay. I can't I can't remember what film it was that whoever this random individual was watching. But it was some movie that involved someone going to the library and looking up old newspapers on one of those machines. <laughs> and this person who was, a, you know, a, a, in the younger demographic was like, what is that? Like, that's a, you know, they're, they're like, they're, they're like, they, they lean forward, you, you lean forward, like trying to like see, you know, figure out what this strange device was. Um, I feel like. I think like when I started at UNR back in mm-hmm. 2001, they had micro, they still had some microfiche machines in the library. Yeah. yeah. They did. I remember those. Yeah. I don't know that I ever had the occasion to use them, but yeah, I definitely <laughs> recall. Right. Right. Um, yeah. uh, this, Do you this... remember like checking out actual books, <laughs> like having a stack of books? To do a report. Remember books? Like checking out a ton of them? Yeah. Yeah, I do. To do research? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was us in college. Like JSTOR and all of that, that, like the functionality of like the internet as we know it probably, I think was probably like my senior year of college when you could really do like actual academic research on the internet. Right. Before that, it was like... Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're going to use the internet, like, I mean, it's like, good luck. You're just going to find a bunch of Star Trek fan fiction sites out there and yeah. who, who, who else knows yeah. else what. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, we, we, it was, it was, it was, we were in that transitional period because it was that, it was at mm-hmm. that same point where like uh, at each um, little computer terminal, they had a container with old, um, uh, cards from the uh the card catalog um mm-hmm. because it, so you, we they, they didn't have the card catalog for looking stuff up anymore uh no and, and but you know you could search that you could search that yeah, yeah. on the computer but then um, you would have to write down that's what the cards were for for you would have to write down like the dewey decimal where in the library that was located of all the books that you were looking for right and go get them mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a- we're like we're. I feel so old right now. <laughs> talking about this. <laughs> totally. Um, but uh, which is to illustrate the point. Yeah, you can't. There was no. Again, once again, we're not on Facebook. We're not searching for family members that way. You have to do it. Yeah. Old-fashioned way, which is through unsolved mysteries. Through unsolved so. mysteries, we get this little yes. reenactment of them looking up their like the newspaper stuff on like when their father was killed. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were confused because it mentioned his his wife, who you know this person has the exact same name as their mother, but they're reading it and they're like the details are all wrong here, like this this 
it feels like you know they've just taken someone else's information and just changed the name to their mother like what's you know was this a you know misprint or something and mm-hmm. what they like what unsolved mystery shows is that uh what was his name harry let's say yeah, harry harry a young yeah that was yeah um harry we get this reenactment because like uh, I guess he was someone who had, he had served in the Marine Corps for eight years, mm-hmm. um, you know, left. But then, like, however much long later, you know, the United States enters World War Two, and he wants to go back in the military. So we get this this reenactment of him trying to convince his wife, because I guess his wife has to sign off on this. Uh, trying to trying to get her to like uh, agree to sign this paper so that he can go, so that he can go fight 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 the Nazis. Um, which seems like mm-hmm. a, I mean this, this kind of feels like, I mean she's just not having it because like, mm-hmm. I mean and and I I certainly not without sympathy for, for her in this because it's like look, you're not a young kid anymore. You have you know obligations in this household uh mm-hmm. and it it kind of it does to me it play it played they were playing it like because you know he, he gets in a huff and he storms out of the house it kind of like felt like you could you basically have the the exact same structure of that reenactment that scene and have the topic mm-hmm. be like you know he's having a midlife crisis and he wants to buy a motorcycle or something that's how they kind mm-hmm. of like how it feels like how they kind of play it um and then we get the stack narration informs us that he he went ahead and joined the military and he was killed in the north africa campa- campaign if i recall correctly mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know so that's like 42 43 um and she gets she gets one of we have a little reenactment of one of those unfortunate scenes where someone comes with the the you know the packet of information of that her husband has been killed or because I guess he he didn't even, like I mean I assume I I figured like when he disappeared and she didn't like see him mm-hmm. he didn't come back I assume she I, I think she must have assumed that like oh he went and did it anyway um mm, but right. like yeah but like she only gets the confirmation of this like when he's in africa so he he went through boot camp and everything and shipped overseas and only then wrote her a letter i guess i can see where you, you'd want to call this guy a scumbag um uh and but then we get uh that sort of little twist is she goes to like mm-hmm. deal with the sort of things you have to deal when you're a widow of a serviceman who was killed overseas but the military men in the office are like, oh, um, there's something strange going on here because there's already like, you're there's already a Laura who's you know, uh, uh, filled all this out. And she's like, that can't be. I'm Laura, and it almost mm-hmm. <laughs> it would almost yeah. Be and the- then the, and then the military guys at the VA are like, mm, awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's actually kind of how they played in the, the segment. Yeah. Um, and what we get is the revelation that after after he had his fight with Laura, it really kind of feels like um, he went and he found like a woman to romance, 
and then got her to sign the papers instead. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm that's sure a very generous way of <laughs> going about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure maybe this was maybe this was someone he was already cheating on Laura with or, or something. But it obviously was. Yeah, because <laughs> but but because. The, the reenactment the kind time of window, yeah. The time window between him leaving Laura and then him going to Africa is four months. Okay. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. All right. Continue, please. Yeah, I. <laughs> but but the unsolved mysteries. The reenactment almost kind of kind of kind of suggests it because like in the one scene he has with the uh, uh, his new uh, wife, you know, or. Uh, he like I mean they the guy playing him in the reenactment is like really like mm-hmm. fixated on the papers like okay sign here sign mm-hmm. here um mm-hmm. but yeah so he's killed and they kind of they I guess they the authorities figure out like oh here here's what the situation is and his new wife um ends up like because not only was Laura uh, pregnant when harry left but his new mm-hmm. wife he knocked up his new wife too so mm-hmm. there's two widows with or orphaned uh with with children without whose father was killed overseas and his new wife she tries to make a connection with harry's parents mm-hmm. um like hey you got this grandkid do you want to see him and we get this pretty pretty sad little reenactment of her showing up at the front door after initially trying to contact them by mail and the father was basically like uh yeah he you know just doesn't want to have anything to do with her and and she was like well should i bring do you want me to bring harry's stuff by and he's basically like no don't bring it by in person just mail it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like wow and so we get this shot of her sad sort of walking away with the infant with with this guy's grandchild in in her arms, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So, but we get uh, update. You know, they they yeah. So that brings us back to why are we why are we looking for this yeah half sister right? Because the siblings are just they've had it with the secrets and lies. They want to meet their sister, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of nice. And we do uh, how yeah, like we we do get an update, but they don't do the update graphic. It's just tacked on. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like, like there's it's a regular segment. Yeah, I it, it, I noticed that as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's sort of nice. Like they they interview the the daughter from this second marriage, and she was kind mm-hmm. of she was vaguely aware of like so, sort of some some of the general aspects of this. Like you know his mm-hmm. his parents didn't want to have anything to do with her mom and. And all this other jazz, but and she talked about how it was kind of nice, like because the that these uh, the his other uh, children from from the from from his previous uh, wife wanted to connect with her. So was, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like uh, the segment ended. I felt a little bit on a, a sort of a high note, like oh well, you know these. Mm-hmm. This this next generation didn't have the hangups of of the older members mm-hmm. of the family and and the, you know they're 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 trying to like make connections and stitch everything together and I was like ah that's that's mm-hmm. nice that yeah 
Yeah, no, I think it. I think it is nice. It seems like they just want to know about who their sister is. Yeah, and that's fine if yeah. they want to do that. And it worked <laughs> out, I guess. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Their dad was just such a pos. <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting because they. Uh, I guess if if he was having an affair with the other gal beforehand. Um, what's, I guess you could, you could, you know, make that, try to figure out, look at that through the prism of, um, look at him trying to join the military through the prism of that. Like, what was his, I mean, if it wasn't just all patriotism, was it like, I need to get out of this, 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 this terrible, like Ted Danson and cheer situation where I'm dating, where I'm with two people at the same time. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just run away from everything and join join the mm-hmm. army. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the last segment, um, it's the one it's the one we've been waiting for. We've we've talked about this. We talked about this segment months before we even recorded our first episode. Yeah. So we've been in uh, anticipation we, for years now that this was coming. And, and we didn't like we didn't look it up where it was in the view order. We're, we're just like it's it's just going to happen when it happens, and yeah, when it happens, it's going to be amazing. And today's the day that it happened. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, fi- the final s- son of a bitch of this episode, <laughs> Edward Bell. <laughs> so it's been uh, James Earl Ray. Uh, you know, I'd say Harry Young's crimes are a pale in comparison to James Earl Ray and Edward <laughs> Bell's, but yeah, I, I I think we can we can grant Harry that at least, right? He's <laughs> yeah, we can. He, yeah. Um, presumably only killed people in the context of being in the military. Okay, uh, so yeah. well, for the first thing we're gonna we're gonna talk about Susan, and uh, Susan is the interview Susan. And she is interviewed and all, and she's uh, what do you call that when you're masking someone's? Uh, oh, yeah, your 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 face is blotted out. Yeah, yeah, she's in she's yeah. in shadow, right? Um, her, I believe it's her real mm-hmm. voice that's being used. It's not being um altered in any way. Uh, but the yeah. the segment starts with <laughs> a bang, literally. So Susan was at her home, and um. Susan was doing her makeup in the bathroom and whipping her hair around and like putting on blush. And she goes and takes the cosmetics mirror, the compact, and she's powdering her nose. And what does she see in the cosmetics mirror? She sees a large man standing behind her in her uh, private bathroom. And so someone had broken in. And uh, that. That moment in the reenactment was like more terrifying yes. than than most scary movies out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. terrifying. But you know what? Susan said, not today, motherfucker. She said, not today. <laughs> and Susan kicks this man's ass out of her bathroom, <laughs> grabs yeah. the gun out of her nightstand. I mean, please also... Um, she was using a gun very recklessly. <laughs> uh, don't do this. But anyway, it looked cool. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Susan. So this guy starts booking it, right? Because now she's got the gun, right? She's kicked yeah. his ass. She's like, get out of her. I mean, the reenactor in this was fantastic. This woman just like gave this dude hell. And so there's a scene where Susan's running her out of her house. This guy's back in his truck. She's firing at the truck, just wildly shooting this pistol <laughs> out in the street where, you know, anyone else could have been, I guess. Uh, don't do, please don't do this. Um, but it, it looked cool. And so she hit his truck a couple of times. Um, and she went down to the police station and the police station are having her go through the book, which is like anyone who's been picked up for an arrest in the area, you know, anyone with a record and she doesn't see anyone, uh, she recognizes. And then yeah, a couple weeks later, Susan is in her dining room reading, uh, the newspaper and, she sees a picture of a man named Edward Bell. And she said, that's, she turns to her husband in the reenactment. She says, that's the guy who broke into the house. It's this guy. And Edward Bell had at that point been arrested for the crime, the next part of this segment. Okay. So that's, we're done with Susan. Susan, Susan said, not today. And Edward tore out of there. Well, another we're going to go into Pasadena, Texas. Now I was very confused because they kept saying Pasadena. I was like, but I thought this was in Texas. Anyways, doesn't matter. There's a man <laughs> uh, named Larry Dickens who in this reenactment and Connor, please get the air horns or sirens or whatever you want to get ready for this. Uh, this reenactment is what I believe to be the debut performance on television of no other than Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Oh, man. <laughs> so we're here. We're here. We made it to the Matthew McConaughey episode. Um, Larry Dickens is, we see him at first. He's mowing. At, he's living at home with his mother and his younger sister at this point in Pasadena, Texas. Um, uh, I guess maybe his his daughter his Larry had a daughter I don't know if the daughter is also in the house I don't know what's really going on but he's he's there for the summer anyway Larry's out mowing the lawn in the sexiest way he possibly can <laughs> and um you'll never convince me there wasn't a female director of this segment <laughs> because like there's a slow pan up shot of um the lawnmower, which is one of those push ones. And then we pan up to uh, L Matthew McConaughey's open shirt and his stomach and his chest were just like the perfect amount of sweat is like trickling down. It's fucking gratuitous. Unsolved mysteries. <laughs> and then they like, he takes a moment to just like sexily wipe his brow. <laughs> like, woo, well, working up a sweat out here. Yeah. And this is before Matthew McConaughey was a thing. So it's not like they're trying to like maximize, maximize their McConaughey time. No, this it is was his just debut like, performance. So, yeah. you know, he's just, he's just actor meat at this point um, in his career. Okay. So Larry's out there cutting the lawn. Dorothy, his mother is in the kitchen washing dishes and she looks out the, to the street. There's a group of children playing and, um, this part is a little uncomfortable, so I'll try not to be too graphic, but uh, a man pulls up in a pickup truck and he gets out of the pickup truck and he has no pants or underpants on and he starts walking towards the mm. children and, you know, bad. This is, this is bad. And so... Very bad thing. It's bad. 
It's bad. Don't do it. Um, so Dorothy calls to uh, Larry to say, hey, can you, hey, can you do this? And Larry, you know, sexily runs out there. And uh, he's, you know, he says to this guy, he's like, uh, sometimes he gets a hold of the guy's keys to his truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he gets the guy away from the the pantsless guy away from the group of children. And he kind of Larry backs this man up against his truck. And the guy's like putting his because Larry's out there like, put your pants on. And, you know, the guy puts his pants <laughs> on or whatever. But while he's putting his pants on, he grabs a handgun. This not Larry, the other guy with the truck mm-hmm. grabs a handgun and. And shoots Matthew McConaughey as Larry Dickens several times. Oh, in the God. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty terrifying. Um, you know, I'm, I'm emphasizing a lot on Matthew McConaughey being in this, but the woman who was reenacted, the woman who reenacted for Susan was also incredible, but also this guy who's, I mean, obviously I'm talking about Edward Bell, right? Because he was part of the, the first yeah. part of the segment. Um, the guy who's playing Edward Bell is also incredibly creepy in this reenactment it's um like so, i mean if yeah if, if we remove the matthew mcconaughey aspect of this mm-hmm. i feel like we'd both be like still really like into this segment because it's oh, yeah. just like a really tense uh yeah. well-made segment yeah. yeah it's like it's like a te- it's like a 10 minute action movie that unsolved mystery yeah did. and so um you know at this point dorothy runs out to uh tend to um larry who's been shot and at this point edward bell's gone back into his truck now edward bell didn't leave and at this point uh larry's younger sister donna is pulling up from whatever she was doing in her car and Mm -hmm. she sees she sees this man get a shotgun out of his truck and walk into their garage and shoot Larry. So she sees this guy. Yeah. I don't think she sees the shooting. She's not she's not able to see that, but she sees kind of what's happening. Uh Donna yeah. uh immediately blocks this truck in to stop him. The cops have already been called at this point because of the pantsless incident, right? So they're already on the way. The kids in this family are like fearless. Like Larry yeah. goes and takes this guy on, yeah. and then like his sister sees like this guy has a shotgun and is yeah you know, like yeah and she like she just goes ahead and drives her car in to try to like box him in like yeah whoa yeah. i mean at the at the point where like larry is being held at gunpoint he still didn't turn the keys over and oh yeah like i mean I'm, he he fights like the whole like the whole time he like yeah yeah at that point when someone's hold pointing a gun at you, you say, here are your keys. And it becomes the police's problem. Stop trying to be a hero because I'm so serious <laughs> about this. If you've yeah, gun pointed yeah. at you, you do not have the upper hand anymore. You know, who's to say Larry might've still gotten shot if he handed the keys over, but maybe he wouldn't have. Right. Maybe this, you know, Edward Bell would have just the, driven away and Larry would still be alive. What he should have done. And this is something I learned about. Like if someone tries to mug you for your wallet, Mm-hmm. 
is uh, is that like you're what you what you what you're supposed to do is throw your wallet as far behind them as possible mm-hmm. and then run away. Street smiles. Yeah. Because then you present them with the the dilemma of like, do they chase after you or do they go and get the wallet? Yeah. Uh, and I I kind of feel like you should have done the same thing with the keys, like throw them as far behind uh, Ed as possible. Yeah. I uh, I mean, who's yeah. to say? I mean, we can retcon this all we want. Who's to say? But right, right. Yeah. I'm I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying yeah. to. Monday quarterback Larry. I mean, like yeah. when, 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 when the situation happens, we just, we react how we react and you right. know, it's, exactly. It's, and I yeah. think, you know, yeah. maybe his, maybe his, you know, his adrenaline was up or whatever and he didn't want to back down, but I don't, I, you know, yeah. maybe there was something that could. Well, yeah, I mean, like I, if, if you, I mean, if you see a guy exposing himself to a bunch of kids, that that's, that's probably guaranteed to like get you kind of angry. Uh, uh yeah. Know, yeah. Well, I'm not yeah. saying. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on a second. I'm not saying Larry was wrong to inter- intervene. No, 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 no! I'm not suggesting <laughs> that. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, I mean, even with the gun pointed at him, he's, yeah. he's like, because you mentioned he, he, he was probably having an adrenaline thing. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking mm-hmm. like he was so, you know, ra- he was probably so ramped up from like seeing like, you know, one of the most outrage inducing things that like a normal person could you know see mm-hmm. that he was probably just like you know just full on in that mode and probably would have been for like half an hour after that ed guy had left if, yeah. if things yeah you know, if, if he had just left yeah totally so yeah this so at this point um donna runs back into the house and um you know, Don is giving a good portion of the interview as well as Larry's mo- actual mother. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she says that, you know, her brother died in her arms. And eventually, sh- like very shortly after that, the police do show up. Because remember, they'd already been called by Dorothy, the mother, when the pantslessness was happening before Larry even got involved. So, um, yeah, so the police show up now. Holy shit. Unsolved Mysteries sure gave us a car chase. <laughs> the police show. Up. Oh man, there's this a, a yeah, there's a, a, like a hero shot of a cop car. You know, one of those big old ones from the '80s doing like a J turn to get behind uh, the truck that's as it's leaving the scene. Um, and the guy, and the guy on a motorbike too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. So, uh, did I say Larry's leaving the scene? I'm sorry, Edward. <laughs> Whoops, as Edward's leaving the scene. <laughs> Um, okay, so Edward, um, you know, they, they, the cops jam up Edward in a cul-de-sac. Uh, he, he tries to shoot at, so what happens in the segment is Edward pulls the rifle out. I guess it was a rifle, not a shotgun. I'm sorry. Pulls the rifle out, pulls it on the cop on the motorcycle. The, The cop on the motorcycle bails on his bike. So the bike goes flying the cops to avoid like getting shot, I guess. And then um, the the rifle jams anyway, so they're actually able to arrest Edward. Uh, yeah. So now you might be wondering, what kind of segment is this? <laughs> well, it was a wanted segment <laughs> when we started it, and um, you're like, but they arrested the guy. Well, they sure did. Well, guess what? He they let this some judge let him out on bail two months later, and of course he doesn't. He disappears. Give me a break. Yeah. Uh, he was able to quietly liquidate. Was it one hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars worth of yeah. assets that yeah. 
he went on the run with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there is an update, and this is actually labeled an update, and uh, Bill ends up being arrested. Um, and extra, he was in Panama, I guess, and he was extradited back to the U.S. to stand trial. Um, <clears throat> but that, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm. One of the things I missed out on the um, timing here. So the murder of uh, Larry Dickens was 1978. Okay, and yeah. it's in 1993 when this episode airs that uh, Edward Bell gets picked up. And so he was free for a really long time. Um, they extradited him back. He's got first degree murder charges. He was sentenced to 70 years in prison. And then another thing um, that the update mentioned is that he was also suspected in the um, disappearance of six young girls from uh. an era. So this guy was like, a you know. Now, I wonder if knowing all of that, if Susan was like, oh boy, <laughs> I really, really escaped something there <laughs> after she found all this right? out. You know? Sort of interesting, too, to learn that he was hiding out in Panama. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently trying, like, uh, doing go um, gold panning. Uh, yeah. Or panning for gold. Yeah, which I mm -hmm. guess... I mean, I, I, if you're, I suppose if you're, you know, you're trying to like make money, but also trying to stay on the down low, low, mm -hmm. that's probably a, 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 a good way to go about it. Cause then, you know, you just, you just take the gold into like whatever, you know, precious metal shop and small amounts and get some cash. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Well, I'm glad this piece of shit is, but presumably in still prison. Is he still alive? Um. Oh no! According to the wiki, he died on April twentieth, twenty nineteen, from undisclosed causes at the age of eighty two. Nice, nice. Yeah, died in prison. So, um. Well, I mean, unfortunately, there's this other question of these other girls, which we don't have any answers. Yeah, that it was. Just yeah, like it's one thing led into another with this the story of Edward Bell. So. Uh, yeah, I, I wish we knew more about this uh, thing, but I, I guess they weren't. I assume then they weren't able, ever able to like really piece all that together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, it happened. The Matthew McConaughey episode. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he died <laughs> heroically. It's like good, good job, Matthew McConaughey. You did a Hell of a bang-up job on your first TV appearance way back in 1993. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like, again, I, I will say it, like, even if I didn't know this was Matthew McConaughey, this reenactment and his performance would have stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. um, he did, yeah, yeah he did. He, good acting. A plus. Um, yes. Robbie, did I ever tell you that I saw Matthew McConaughey um in person once it's one of my, it's my only like a-list celebrity sighting i've ever had i've had plenty of celebrity sightings but this is like truly the a-list one wait you're 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 not you're not bumping the guy who played the insurance salesman and in groundhog's day up into the same tier as matthew McConaughey. well i mean <laughs> steven Toblowski yeah. is america's number one character actor but i don't think 
anyone's yeah, I, I, yeah, no, yeah, you, yeah, I, you're, you're right. I mean, McConaughey is going to be a bigger box office pull. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't. I want to say I almost feel like you've teased that this has happened to me and that you're going to like yeah. tell me when we got to this point, but I'm not yeah. sure if I'm just imagining that that happened or, or uh, not. Well, it's not much of a story. I was just like getting going through security at LAX and mm-hmm. there was like a wall of paparazzi and then I'm like, why are all these cameras here? It's really weird at LAX. There's like, you can be a paparazzi, but you have to stand behind a certain line. So basically you can photograph celebrities <laughs> getting off their flights. Like they're in a zoo. It's very strange. And I don't know why the airport <laughs> allows that to happen. Uh, so I'm oh, going LA. to catch. Yeah. I, it's very weird. Um, <clears throat> All, you know, all my L.A. people know what I'm talking about, though. Uh, so I was going through secu- security. I was standing in line to go catch a flight as Matthew McConaughey and his family were waiting for their ride or whatever out of LAX to escort them through this wall of paparazzi. But I just remember, like, he was wearing, like, a a cap and he was chewing gum. He's very okay. short. Okay. Not a tall, not yeah. a big man, Matthew McConaughey. He's a very short guy. Yeah, well, most actors, like most of the time when I've encountered actors, like they're always really tiny people mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you want to know my other list of celebrity encounters at airports, we can go through that. <laughs> There's Stephen Tobolowsky. Um, I was on a flight okay. with David Caruso once. Um, oh, that, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. Well, I was also on the same. Uh, I was didn't just see Stephen Toblowski at the airport. I was on the same flight as him. So I was boarding okay. the plane. And so I had to walk past first class because I'm not up there. <laughs> let's let's be real. But, you know, you know, Stephen's got the miles. He's up there. He's up there. Yeah. And so I walked I walked by uh, him and I looked him right in the eye and I nodded at him and he smiled at me and he nodded back. Just kind of like, I know who you are. I'm not going to say anything, mm-hmm. but I recognize mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and then I just went. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, yeah. And then one time I saw Guy Fieri at SFO. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And that was also the same day I was coming back into the country and it was the same day that Obama was on the news announcing that. Osama bin Laden had been killed. So that was that was really a banner day. It was like Osama bin Laden was oh, dead. Oh yeah, and I saw Guy two, Fieri. Two 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 for one on on the same same day. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, this has been reenacted on Solved Mysteries podcast. Um, if you, <laughs> you want to put some coins in the slot, we have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash reenacted pod. Uh, Robbie. Robbie's usually the one that does all the social media blogs. At Reenacted Pod, or no, uh, uh, on Twitter. Um, and did, then, I, did I mess I, with your mojo because I went out of order? You're usually oh God! I, I, well, not 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 so much that you went first, but now I'm like I'm doubt like uh, it's Reenacted Pod, right? Our Twitter at Reenacted Pod on Twitter. Yes. At reenacted pod, and then uh, same with our Gmail, right? Reenacted pod at reenacted pod at gmail dot com. If you want to tell us how much um, we suck privately, which is appreciated, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> which is like the attention. <laughs> I I I don't I won't I, yeah I won't I won't refuse the I won't refuse any attention. Yeah. Um. 
uh, Facebook, find us on there. Um, and then, uh, if you're going to go on iTunes mm-hmm. and listen to us and you like us, uh, give us five stars, please. Yeah, and if you, but don't, if you like don't like us, us, just send us an email. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't even log into iTunes. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't even, don't, 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 don't you do know, it. just don't say anything. Really. You could just yeah. keep that information in private and to yourself. Uh, Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Join us next week for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries.